Hey, it's show notes after our Immigration Nation episode. We got a lot of great feedback on that episode. We got a whole bunch of new support as well. So we're just going to dive right into it. 99, how are you, first of all? I'm good. How are you? I'm pretty good. I had a I had a weekend to myself, which is dangerous, I think. Did you do risky business? Uh, there were... There were no sex workers involved. Is that um, what you mean? Um, you know, specifically the the boxers and sunglasses scene. Yeah, probably. Yeah, at some point. Uh, there was nothing diabolical, although it's clear to me that I, I definitely shouldn't be left to my own devices for too long or else I will develop a number of unhealthy habits So, mm. or continue to build upon all of my unhealthy habits. Uh, so that happened, but it also gave me time down under. I spent a lot of time. I thought you said there were no sex workers. <laughs> there were no. Wow. Nicely done. Thank you. Uh, there. <sighs> they threw you off? Yeah, you threw me off. That was great. <laughs> that was great. So I had a lot of reading to catch up on with respect to our down under fuckers and putting together our Australia episode. So I'm really excited about how that's going to turn out. It's more of a, you know, it's like the Canada episode that we did in partnership with Canada Land, where we're just sort of filling in a lot of gaps that we have. So I, I don't think down under fuckers are necessarily going to get a whole bunch out of it, but I think it'll be fun for them to listen to me try to uh, wrap my head around how things go down there, considering I've never been there. But I would love goals to get down there. Wouldn't that be great? Where would you want to go? I would want to go to Melbourne. 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 Um, I don't know. I want to go to the Gold Coast. I think it'd be funny to people watch. Okay. Or Tasmania. That'd be exciting, too. Yeah. Oh, I want to go to New Zealand. That's in Australia, right? Yeah. 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 It's, it's, yeah, we have, an, we have one or two New Zealand Nestled references. in there, right? All the same? Yeah, I think it's just actually a back studio lot uh, mm. somewhere. And like, you know, anyway. Yeah. I, for, for legal purposes, that was a joke. Yeah, Hugh Jackman owns it. Hmm? Are we going to get into the fact that Australia was a penal colony? Uh, <laughs> you know it. <laughs> <laughs> This is the craziest story. Uh, but speaking of immigration, now let's just pull things back to this fucked up country for a moment. Since the last recording, we are bringing 100,000. We are making room for 100,000 Ukrainians. Now, understand this. There will not be 100,000 Ukrainians moving to the United States. Logistically, very, very difficult. And that you know sort of implies that they have the means, the desire, the ability, and the want to come here. But... Point being, we have an official policy that we are making room, making way for 100,000 new people coming into the United States. Just just, just coming here. Yeah. Private sector, find jobs for them. No problem. Easy peasy. Speak the language? No, no problem. Come on over. So all of the usual hangups that we have about immigration seem to have fluttered away in the breeze since people are coming from Ukraine. As I stated in uh, the episode, I don't have a problem with it. I think it's wonderful. I think it's great that we are extending our hand. Hopefully just everybody realizes the inconsistencies that uh, have arisen as a result of this. But you don't hear a lot of employers talking about this being a bad thing because we have so many job openings. So if Ukrainians can come over and fill them, good on you. As wonderful that is. But I just, I just wonder how many Mexicans and Central Americans and South Americans and even island people from Haiti and all these other wonderful places might 
also benefit from being brought here and trained and filling those jobs. <laughs> Anywho. Do we all get a Ukrainian? <laughs> That'd be so great. Yeah. I mean. Are they good at anything in particular? I don't know. I was actually thinking about it. I was like, if I had to pick where I want, like, if they're going to come and they're going to bring, like, their delicacies, I'm like, what are Ukrainian delicacies? What do they eat there? Uh, wheat. Yeah? Yeah, they just bring bushels and bushels of wheat. We have that here. Yeah, we do. We have our own bread basket. You know? Mm. I don't know. I really don't know. I don't mean this to be disparaging to Ukrainian culture. You just, just said, do we all get a Ukrainian? <laughs> well, I thought it'd be fun, like a little exchange student. Not, oh, yeah. is that how you're going to Oh, I didn't mean it back? like slavery. Well, you kind of sounded like it, 99. Well, just saying. All right, sorry. Freudian slip. It's what I want, but it's not what I meant. So we had some people reach out, by the way, to talk about the fact that we exposed the biggest asshole in the episode, that being Bill Clinton. But not as many as I would have hoped. And so I'm wondering if uh, we had a couple of people allude to it, but I'm wondering if it really is generally understood that the shift in tone happened during the Clinton era, which is why I wanted to start up top with that clip of, of Bush and Reagan talking so like it, it's just it almost hurts my ears to, to hear them speaking so economically, rationally, but also humanely about people that have been so demonized and, and vilified. And the legal language for it, the legal construct of it, was totally created by Bill Clinton. And then the conservative media just went just went wild because anytime the Democrats shift to the right, that's non-workable for the conservative thread and the alt-right in this country. So anytime the Democrats go too far into that lane, they're so... This is what drives me crazy about democratic politics. And every election cycle just proves this out. They say we have to take the middle lane, but the middle lane keeps shifting to the right. And so the further right we go, of course, we're going to be outranked and outflanked by conservatives that need to drag it even further to the right. And that is exactly what happened. So even though George W. did his level best to actually bring the Hispanic community because he had like literal family and was a Texan and had a, you know, kind of a great understanding of the border conflicts, at least what? No, I think in the clip he says, I have family that is a Mexican. No, that was his father. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yes, 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 yes. So yes. the guy that actually came the closest, I know, <laughs> I, I have family back, that's a Mexican. A Mexican. Like, hmm. That's my my African-American over there, Jason. <laughs> yeah. I have family that's a Mexican. <laughs> oh, do you? Um, but George W. tried to do more to heal that divide than his predecessors or anybody since. But you see what happened with the alt-right is that they just had to go even for They've pushed so far past the, the neocon that George W. was. It's stunning. But that's this whole concept of the Overton window. And I think immigration illustrates maybe more than anything how our collective window has shifted to the right. It's the most tangible human example that we have of it going that far. But of course, that's the way it's always been in our history as well. So if history is just, you know, surges, momentum moving in a particular direction and the pendulum and bringing it back, we haven't really gone all that far from the nativist tendencies that you found in the John Birch Society or you found even before that when Irish immigrants were being turned away or being beaten when they got into uh, the harbors and the ports or the Italian immigrants before that. Or it's just we have such a, just a colossally fucked memory when it comes to these things. But just as quickly as 
the conservatives were able to turn the conversation so vehemently and violently against immigrants coming across the southern border is as fast as they forget that this is the same conversation we're having with refugees from Ukraine. Just boggles the imagination. Anyway, one quick note before we get into feedback for this week. We have a lot of new listeners, and I feel like we haven't spoken about our partnership with Unkachog Nation members and Native coffee traders in a while. Very, very quickly. We're funded in two ways. One is through the memberships, and we talk about the new members at the end of every show here in show notes. But there's also this coffee partnership. And it might seem a little strange if you hadn't heard it before, but essentially here's the deal. And 99 can actually share an episode that we did with the folks at Native Coffee Traders last year. At some point we had them in, right? Yeah. When we first launched the show, before we'd even thought about having members support us or some sort of Patreon model, and we wound up obviously at the buymeacoffee.com, we actually had this idea to sell coffee through a friendship that I had with the chief of the Onkachog people at the Puspatuck Reservation out on Long Island. So I spoke with the chief there. His name is Harry Wallace. And he introduced me to Amy Wallace, who is the head roaster. They've been doing this since the 90s, by the way. And their coffee is amazing. So it's purely organic, shade-grown. Fair trade, bird-friendly. Bird-friendly coffee that comes from South and Central America. For the most part, I actually think there's one coffee that comes from the Chiapas region in Mexico as yep. well. Which one? One of our blends uh, off the top of my head. I think it's on Fuck Your Afternoon. Okay. So we partnered with them to create our own coffee line. Very, very unique. In fact, Manny was actually just out in California at a podcast conference talking about unique ways to fund podcasts and was able to bring up this partnership. So we launched our store at unftr.com slash shop where you can purchase this coffee and it does two things. One is it helps support the show, which is wonderful. And the other is it helps support indigenous economic development specifically for the Uncachog people at Puspatuck. So it's really a creative model. It's a wonderful, fulfilling model to be able to see unfuckers from all over the country it's only available in the United States for now. Help support us, but also support the tribe in building economic development there. Really, really wonderful. And what we tried to do was, by doing this, was create a model where you didn't have to pay for anything that you wouldn't already pay for. So, like we said from the beginning, if you don't drink coffee, that's great. The show's still going to be free. You don't have to do anything to help support us. If you do drink coffee and you can see your way clear to purchasing this coffee, if you happen to be a coffee snob in particular, then you wind up kind of, I don't want to say killing those two birds with one stone, right? That, that's that's not good in, in 99 land. We don't want to kill any birds with any stones, right? No, I think I once someone heard someone say, two something, one scone. And I was like, excuse me? Hmm. But I do like the phrase, one throat to choke. I think that's also bad. Is it? What do you think? Well, it's like when we do something wrong, like if a client is mad, you know, we handle a whole bunch of things like they want one throat to choke. That's no good. I just feel like it's a little violent. It is a little violent. It's not as violent as Will Smith, though. I knew you were going to bring it up. <laughs> I knew you were going to bring it up. How can you not be obsessed by that? What the fuck? I don't know. I don't want to comment on it, on it any further. Though. Okay. Okay. So let's move on. So without further ado, let's get into episode feedback and talk about some emails right now. So we're going to start off with the great Bobby McDee from Ireland, who's actually putting together a creative collaborative of sorts from around the globe. 
He's shared his Facebook and his Instagram with us before, so we'll share that again in show notes so you can get in touch with him. If you are a creative type, if you have ideas about how you want to work with other fuckers around the globe in any sort of art form or any sort of display of how you feel to help move the progressive movement forward, then try to connect with Bobby McDee. He's a wonderful friend of the show. And he writes in a few things about the immigration episode that he says were surprising to him, which is what I was hoping for, because the narrative is so fucked up over here. And of course, it's only going to be that much more fucked up abroad because it's just like secondhand information at that point. But he also he ends his email with looks like Clarence Thomas has pooped on his own doorstep. It would be fun if he found himself in an untenable position. So we haven't gone into the SCOTUS too much, by the way. And I just wanted to address that quickly, which is why it's great that uh, Bobby's comment was up top. So with the fact that Clarence Thomas is in the news, and of course, we just came through the most recent round of confirmation hearings for probably the most qualified justice to ever be considered for the position, like ever, we probably should weigh into the SCOTUS discussion at some point. But again, I'm not a legal scholar. I'm still looking for a particular angle to get into it. If unfuckers have any ideas specifically of how they think that we can best weigh in on the Supreme Court, that would be great. I would really appreciate that kind of feedback. Like education, there's so many different tributaries that we could follow to get into this. Not the least of which, of course, is Roe v. Wade currently being threatened. The continual loss of rights for women or any sort of marginalized group in this country. We could talk about money and the influence in politics. There's a bunch of different ways we can go. Love to hear from you as to what you would like us to unfuck. You don't think you need to be a legal scholar to talk about Ted Cruz being like, can I just wake up today and be Asian? Is that how it works? Am I, am I Asian? I mean, the, the, the level of fuckery at the confirmation hearings was was embarrassing was embarrassing and and I think that's also what Bobby McDee is referencing here yeah, just how of course. what a shit show we are and just how I mean I it's amazing that these are like Tom Cotton's comments are just I mean so so reprehensible There was one Republican senator from Nebraska he called it like buffoonery or something he was like people just want their their moments of fame and I was like I feel like you're only saying that to sound like a voice of reason <laughs> so you get your moment of fame Yeah Right? But also doesn't make the comment wrong. No. I mean, it, it's it's just pure grandstanding. There's nothing that was going to come from it. No. no. You know, I these see. things are done before they start. I watched a comparison video of Katanji and Brett Kavanaugh about how she was just calm and measured and polite. And he was, you know, what kind of beer do you like to drink? You don't, you like to drink? Like, all this He's shit. Crying. And it's just... crying. He's Yeah, indignant. screaming He's just, his calendar. All that shit. And remarkable it's Remarkable privilege. Yeah. And it's so frustrating to watch. Ugh. Um, 99 highlighted an email from a listener named Elena S. It's a really long email and it's an amazing email. So we're just going to spend a couple minutes here. First of all, just to show that she has a great sense of humor. One of her comments is Joe Biden with his nasty old flatulent bellicose ass dragging behind him talks of recovering American leadership. Let's just put that to the side for a moment because I did get a great chuckle out of that because the rest of the email is really, really thoughtful and really well put together and speaks from a Mexican perspective about immigration policy and some of the things that we just don't even think about and recognize. I pulled out one clip that I want to read, though, because I think it will help set us set the stage for 
a future unfucking. Because remember, 99 said, this isn't it, right, for immigration. This isn't it for Mexican relations with the United States. And she's 100% right. The immigration episode was supposed to just kind of set the table for a number of other episodes to build on it because this is our continent. This is in our backyard. And like we did the Canada episode, there's so little that we actually understand about one another because we're so fucking ethnocentric here in America. Anyway, she says, President AMLO, which is the nickname for Obrador, has put the brakes on neoliberal colonization as much as he feels he can. It would be good to know if he could nationalize all of the assets his six predecessors had given away. But knowing how the Mexican conservative elites have dealt with our greatest heroes in the past, perhaps he accepts certain limits. He has given no credit for his accomplishments, neither in the American nor in the Mexican media. His enemies, who receive millions of dollars funneled through the American embassy in Mexico City, have said they would like for him to meet the same fate as Salvatore Allende. As a result of AMLO's administration, and I'm using this as one other example that I plucked out of the email, Every Mexican over age 65 receives a bi-monthly pension. For this and many other reasons, there are fewer Mexicans wishing to immigrate to the U.S. So here is another narrative that we don't think about here. I have not fact-checked this email. I have not gone far enough into Obrador's administration, except to know that he was always considered a devout progressive in the true progressive sense. I had a feeling that he was playing more down the middle since his election. It sounds like he probably is, but that structurally he may not be able to move the government as much. So I'm committed to doing a full exploration of Mexican politics today, as well as a little bit more of the history between us and not going back to, you know, who took land from whom and when and the disputes and the battles over territory, although I'm sure we'll set the table with that but really talking about the relationship between the two countries, how it's changed, the trade relationship between the two countries, and how important migration is in terms of labor, but also moving goods, products, and services across the border, going both ways. But what's happened politically in Mexico, because, you know, let's be honest about American media and how it treats all Mexican politics. It's political leaders who are there for a moment in time to appease the United States and try to defuse the drug cartels. Oh, and then there's Acapulco, right? I mean, that's literally how we talk about Mexico here. So the reason I wanted to bring this up is that, of course, there's so much happening right below the border that never makes it into U.S. news. So I want to move that up. We got to talk about NAFTA. We have to talk about the Clinton era and the continual fucking of not just the American working class, but also what that did to create wage slavery in Mexico. That's something that I sort of just threw out there in the last episode. But that in and of itself really deserves to be unpacked because we have put a clamp on their economy and their ability to grow and put them in a box, much in the way that our neoliberal sentiment and philosophy has guided us to do with the Mexican culture, but also uh, Central America, Latin American and Caribbean economies. So a lot to do there. And I just wanted to send a specific thank you to Elena S for sending in such a really detailed, but also thoughtful email. Now, with that said, 99, let's get into some general feedback. Why don't you kick us off here? Yeah, so we heard from Wade W, who said, I'm an average white guy, millennial and delighted to be an unfucker. That being said, I 100% got 99's reference to Ignition Remix by R. Kelly, and I loved it. So, Isn't that redundant? Wouldn't only another basic white person get that reference? You knew. 
are you saying basic white person or yeah. millennial? Just oh, yeah. yeah, I guess there's another dimension there. Because you knew it, and you're right. certainly because I'm old. You're Gen Z, actually. Well, I am not. Yeah, you're like I'm Gen 17 X. years old. I am Gen X through and through. Okay. Right? The squeezed generation. Mm -hmm. Taking care of the old people, taking care of the young people, and everything in between. I just think it'd be funny if you were a Gen Zer. Mm. You kind of have TikTok fuckboy hair. What? You know it's true. I We've, do not. A little bit. No, I don't. When, yeah. Fuckboy hair? A little bit. The new There are a boy. lot of things to criticize. My hair I'm is not, not I didn't, one did of Did I them. criticize it? You called it a fuckboy. I mean- if that you doesn't were, sound good. If you were younger, you'd want to be a fuckboy. I would want to be a fuckboy? I boy. mean... Is this a compliment? Girls like fuckboys. They do? But fuckboys are bad. We are? Yeah. They are? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's move on, okay. shall we? Yes. But sorry, I, I still... I felt bad about singing R. Kelly. You should. I do want... It's disgraceful. I, yeah. I put embargoes on people, so... Or is it is an embargo temporary? Yes. So not an embargo. I ban. <laughs> so he's banned. I would never... I don't voluntarily listen to it. Uh, there are some other people who I will not seek out because of their beliefs. Their, you know, you you guys you hear every me. word. I, of course. I mean, it's every been a, it's it's canonically in the stable of modern music. It's a great song, but I can't always separate the art from the artist. Why don't you just break out into "Baby, It's Cold Outside"? That song is actually misinterpreted. Is it? Yes. Oh God. Here no, go. sir. No, I. I understand how it has rapey vibes. I'm not rapey vibes. Vibes. Read about if you read about the history of it, the like, hey, what's in this drink was just like a common joke at that time. You know, you'd get a you'd get a an alcoholic drink and be like, hey, what's in this drink? It was like a you know 1930s. She's 40s like, it's joke. cold and I want to go home, and he's like, no, come on inside. They're they're having flirty banter. I'm telling. I know that in modern parlance, mm -hmm. it's rapey. I'm okay. not denying that, but from the initial lens. It's actually, it wasn't written that way. I read a whole thing about it because believe me, I'm the first person who's going to be like, cancel a baby, it's cold outside, <laughs> you know? But if it was written today, yeah, that's no one says, hey, what's in this drink? You know? So 99 is just for the record, celebrating both, like every form of rape culture that I'm there is not. through music. As long as it's through jam bands, right? Wait, it's all okay. What jam bands have rape culture in them? I'm sure Fish does. I'm just sure of it. That's absolutely not true. And that's actually offensive. Thank you. You're welcome. Let's move on. I don't know why you, that was just, that was just a low blow. I just like tr trying to get you to sing the lyrics from problematic songs because we're just going to compile them over time. What other like problematic, I did watch the Great American <laughs> Melting Pot video. Yeah. It inspired my, the artwork from last episode. Mm -hmm. I, I took a still from it and I zhuzhed it up. Mm -hmm. But, uh. A lot of a lot of racist iconography in oh, that. Oh, seriously? Oh yeah. I the, the, <laughs> oh, the selection God. I picked was not. It was the Statue of Liberty and just a crowd of people. But it was like. It's like going back and watching the Little Rascals. Yeah, it was like it was bad. <laughs> yeah, not great. Okay. Uh, well, moving right along, Elijah S has a book recommendation for us. Said if you haven't read *Sapiens* by Yuval Noah Harari, that seems like the first place to start if the goal is social change. I've heard really good things about this book, actually. Let's order it. This is the second time you've said this to me. Am I allowed to just order books on, on our credit card? Yep. Okay. Um. <laughs> okay. Cool. <laughs> this is a great day. Thanks, Elijah. <laughs> so Jonathan R. said, I'm slowly working my way through old episodes and want to say generally that they have lasting value, which is awesome. We were talking about that kind of last week, more in terms of listening to things in order, but it's good to know that they hold up. 
And they said a couple of other notes. Mm -hmm. You predicted that Cuomo would remain as governor. I did too. And then... Yeah, really. (laughs) I'm still blown away by that. I did not see that coming. But obviously he didn't mean it, right? Because he wants to run again. I do sometimes slip and say Ciao Bella. I I miss that. That was my favorite. But now I have all of Eric Adams to laugh at. If he comes back in some way, it just it allows us to bring back the black black. and white and brown and Asian and short and tall and gay and straight clip. But I'm telling you, I know it's not the same position, but Eric Adams is just a wealth of. Yeah, for unfuckers that don't know. Catchphrases. Yeah, this Eric Adams, the new mayor of New York City, is just a I mean. I have it, to link. It's hard to put your finger on how fucked up. This I have guy to link is. the Politico, the Politico article about him, which they interviewed him. It was the cover story, very long, but I wish I could reread it for the first time. <laughs> I think it's it's one of the best things I've ever in my life. I was crying, laughing. He's a maniac. Yeah, he's unhinged. He literally, my favorite, my favorite snippet was him. So him and the interviewer going along, and it was like he stops at a bodega, greets the salesman in Spanish. Buys a bag of spinach and a mango or whatever, and then says, I feel like I'm in Paris. <laughs> it's like a fucking direct quote. I just can't. Yeah, the guy's wild. We, that's now me. And my, my roommate texted me before, and she uh, she works actually for the city, technically. So she said she's working with someone who knows Eric Adams. And I said, Ask her if she feels like she's in Paris. <laughs> well, you see, the, he's so protected for this moment because both sides of the aisle are so happy to be done with de Blasio. Republicans really can't criticize him yet too much because A, he's an African-American and B, he's a former cop. But he's also pro-cop, which is totally perfect pro-cop. for them. So it's lined up, lined up well there. And Democrats, of course, are just relieved to you know not have the burden of de Blasio anymore. So they, they're like, oh, this is the guy we got. So we can't say it's just a shit show. It's fucking New York City, man. I know. Can't do better. And he like goes to these weird clubs, these like like membership what? clubs. It's a weird thing. And then there's a whole thing about, so he's he's vegan, but he eats fish. So there was a whole thing. It was like, yes, I'm vegan. Yes, I eat fish. And I was like, that's not, so that's, that's not no. Yeah, thing. you're you're a pescatarian who doesn't eat dairy or eggs. Like that's what you are. You're not a vegan. Wow. And not to be the vegan police, but to like run at a platform of plant-based and then be like, yeah, I eat fish. It's crazy. <laughs> it's just, please read this article. I'm telling you, it's worth your while. I like it. Yeah. So continue on with Jonathan R. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. So um, Jonathan went on to say, With all of Manchin's grandstanding, we should be very appreciative of Senator Jones and Tester. They are at least as conservative as Manchin and come from equally red states, but are standing up for democratic principles and solidarity whenever it counts. The contrast highlights how venial Manchin and Cinema are. Those were some good takes. Yeah, and I just want to leave them right where right where they are. That's good stuff. It's like when we, oh, I guess I'm not going to leave it. Well, it's like when we talked about the um, progressives versus middle of the road Democrats and how we should be running primaries with progressive candidates in very, very blue districts. When it comes to the purple districts, it gets a little, you know, it gets a little difficult. When it comes to a red state, the calculus has always been, well, I have to go as hard right as I can to the limits of, you know, what's acceptable in democratic politics because I don't want to get thrown out of office. But you're there for a reason. You ran as a Democrat. There are Democrats in even the red states. And when it comes to things like the Senate, it's a little bit of a different game. You got to be principled. You got to stand up for your, because there's no point in having a mansion who aligns with the Democratic Party and always votes Republican and cinema's just fucking bonkers. So anyway, let's go over to social media and start on the Facebooks. What do we got? 
So Ethan G. said he's a huge fan of post-show musings. Well, that's good news. Yes, am. <laughs> because we've got, hopefully, soon, another quick take from Tom McGovern to help us uh, close out our normal episodes. I mean, I was always open to the name, but I guess I guess we're sticking with it. But did, what did uh, post-coital what? I don't like the implication. <laughs> it's called unfucking the republic. I understand, you know? I but mean, it's uh, like a, a a conversation between me and you. Post-coital conversation. And oh, I just yeah, don't yeah. like the implication. I read it and I went, no. Mm, okay. That's my friend. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Ethan suggests kind of weaving our shows in together, which we do, but how to how to visualize it. But Ethan's a huge fan of the military, climate, industrial. Mostly vegan world, peak oil thread that all goes together. And I'm doing a, a wavy arm thing to, sh- to, she to is. demonstrate I can, it. I can attest to that. Yeah. And I, I think that's that's a good, uh, definitely the climate and vegan, but obviously oil with climate, it all, it's like a overlapping Venn diagram, a trend diagram. Yeah, I don't want to break my arm patting myself on the back, but I am. You a, were just literally patting yourself on the back. I was. I was. I'm a fan of those episodes, mostly because I, I spent time reporting on oil and feel kind of a great kinship to the topic, understanding it for so long. But all of those tying together to emerge is the theme of Unfucking the Republic, which is that all of the injustices that we cover and all of the ways that we fucked the various economies throughout the world are playing a massive role in the biggest, most existential crisis, which obviously is climate change. So thank you for recognizing that thread. What? No, I was just thinking about how it's 20 degrees today and it was like 67 degrees last week. Yep. So, which conservatives will point to and say, "See, yeah, I told you the planet wasn't warming." Cold. Fuck heads. <laughs> Who's the dickhead that brought a snowball into chambers? Jack Frost. Not that dickhead. <laughs> Unfuckers. Who was that? Without me having to Google it. Have you ever seen the Jack Frost movie with yes, Michael Keaton? It's very bad. It's scary. It is scary and very bad. Scary. Yeah, I think he regrets doing that. Eh, paycheck. Probably. How did this get made? Did a really good uh, Jack Frost episode this winter. That's fun. I highly recommend it. That's fun. That's why it's top of mind, even though it was four months ago. I'm still thinking about it. See, well, everything's everything's evergreen, Everything's connected. Right? Yes. Jim M. said, given your reference to U.S. interventions, I also wanted to recommend this book, Gangsters of Capitalism by Jonathan Katz for inclusion in the UNFTR book list. I've heard a lot about this book and I really need to dig into it. So thank you for the reminder, Jim, and we will put that up in the book list. It's already there. Nice. Closing out on Facebook, we have Gene C. who said the U.S. really needs to remove slash update what it says on Lady Liberty's tablet. Since our leaders aren't willing to accept new immigrants that are willing to do the jobs the lazy Americans aren't willing to do. All right. Some homework for Bobby McDee. As as a as an Irishman, as a foreign as a foreigner to this show, at least, could you draft for us what actually should appear on uh, Lady Liberty's tablet? That would be great. Like take take our poor, take our sick. Just flip it. Yeah. Yeah. But I have a feeling <laughs> Bobby could do this in a way. We could put on a shirt. Yes. Yes. Bobby will put it on a shirt. Make it so. All right. Over on Twitter. Will Watkins the fourth. I am William Wall. Great episode on immigration. My highlight for sure was 99 singing the great American melting pot. Took me right back to eight years old on Saturday mornings. Cheers. You're welcome, but sorry. Sorry, right. Sorry for how problematic all the stereotypes Sorry for my singing voice. No, never apologize for that. 
You're right. Can't I have a wait. beautiful angelic voice. You do. You have people that listen to the episodes and and replay your laugh. <laughs> That's how angelic your voice is. I mean, but my laugh is different than my singing voice. They're both beautiful. Thank you. You're like a siren. Oh. Drawing Which on type of siren? from around the globe. <laughs> ear, ear. <laughs> uh, Midwest Monster said, listen to this and thank me later. I believe testing showed hashtag Rambamacare as being the most favorable title for the public. So we were talking about how Obamacare was really Romneycare, and I think we called it Obamneycare. I think you did by accident, by and accident. we left it in. Okay, very good. So Midwest Monster recommending Rambamacare. Ram- yes, and said, say it five times in front of a mirror and Mitt and Barack appear and give a free speech, which I like that. Tomato Top One said, this may be one of my all-time favorite episodes. Please give it a listen. It really pulls it all together coherently. Oh, thank you, Tomato Top One. This is the immigration episode, right? Yes. Good deal. To round things out, we had a quick conversation between W. Jeremy D. and Knudsen. Jeremy D. starting it off saying, I remember listening to Clinton in the 90s and thinking, yeah, laws, no free lunch. Now I look back and just like the mullet I was sporting those days, those feelings haven't aged well. And Knudsen responded with, I had a feeling this episode would sting. Yeah, all talking about the Democratic whitewashing of the Clinton era <sighs> that we will have to unfuck pretty, pretty completely. Yeah, I listened to, again, I'm always talking about American Scandal. They did a, the Lewinsky um, you know, scandal, whatever you want to call it. Lewinsky grooming is more like it. Yeah. See, I don't support groomers. <laughs> <clears throat> but uh, they were talking about how trying to track when the two parties diverged the most. It was kind of pinpointed back there because the Republican, I mean, even before Lewinsky, Clinton had all the other scandals. So it was like that was when it really became, at least they were positing it. No, I'm thinking, I mean, it... It's it's causation correlation, right? It's what started what because this was that was also the rise of Newt Gingrich, which I think many people point to as being at least congressionally the big split between the parties. It's very interesting. Well, just shut down when I have an idea. That's great. Thanks. I'm not shutting it down. Ninety nine. <laughs> they did happen around the same time. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if maybe Newt was being saw that as his moment, being opportunistic because he had a weakened president. We also you know, went to war to try and minimize his grooming scandal with Ms. Lewinsky. Yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack there. I don't want to take anything for granted doing that. I'm going to take my time with the Clinton episode because, first of all, when it's released, I'm clearly going to be disappeared or killed. <laughs> but also, it's it's the 90s. It's distant and fresh at the same time. So it's a a curious, yeah, it's a curious period, you know, I mean, that was, that was my political awakening was the Clinton eras. That was, that's really where I came alive. And you said, Hey, I too could have oral sex with a white house intern. Not the political awakening I was talking about. Okay. But what I was going to say to reveal something that I don't know if I've said before on the show, I was a very staunch Republican at that time. Gross. Yeah. I bet you had the 90s equivalent of a fuckboy haircut. (laughs) Jesus, with my hair. What's going on? I'm just having fun. It's ridiculous. But interesting, part of my journey that I think informs the way we take apart every issue is the fact that my political awakening happened in the 90s during the Clinton era, and I was adamantly, vehemently opposed to Bill Clinton. 
And now I'm adamantly, vehemently <laughs> opposed to the Clinton years <laughs> for totally different reasons. Who's the first president you ever voted for? Um, Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> you're such an asshole. <laughs> I think my first presidential vote was cast for George H.W. Bush. Ew. Mm-hmm. Gross. Yep. You're the problem. The yep. problem. I am. That's why this show is just penance. <laughs> God, can my chair be any creakier? Do you hear that? Wow, what's going on? I'm over very there? fidgety today, so it's... 99's farting. <laughs> no, <laughs> girls don't fart. 99's pooting. So that's that. <laughs> Take us over to Instagram and then Substack, would you? Yeah. So Deep Pow Seven said, "Love you guys. Thanks for always validating my fury at the injustice of this world." Well, you are fucking welcome. About our episode this week. And then on Substack, we had a comment from our friend Maria from Puerto Rico, who said, I refuse to use the term America to refer to the USA. I would appreciate it if you folks help unfuck this usage a bit. Quote, America runs from Canada up north to Tierra del Fuego and beyond, spanning many different countries. It's up there with saying, quote, Africa as if it was a, quote, <laughs> country, not a whole continent of countries and peoples, I think. I hope I don't offend anyone, but seriously, we're all, quote, Americans, not just you. I cringe so badly every time I hear people say America to refer to the USA. And I agree with Abdul, who we mentioned last week, who suggested you unfuck Africa and current colonialism. Well, a couple different things here. First of all, I appreciate that the Americas would be uh, certainly more appropriate. And I don't know if it's the same, Maria, as how we refer to Africa, a whole continent, as just a country. We are that. We really are that stupid. But I certainly appreciate that in the Americas, we take center stage just by our own sheer force of will and certainly sully the reputation of the other, our neighbor nations in the Americas as well. The worst part about what we do, of course, is we export our bullshit and our neoliberal tendencies to uh, these other countries in the Americas. And yes, and I'm going to pile on and agree with you and Abdul suggesting that we unfuck Africa and colonialism in general. And I actually have a couple of good resources for that. I have a couple of good books that I've begun to dig into and to start kind of crafting that episode. Going to take a while, as usual, but we always get there. And let's get into coffee donations to once again thank everybody who has joined as a member of the show to support us in our efforts week after week. First off, we have Brian B. Says, great podcast. Would love to see an episode on how meager the social safety net is in this country. So, yeah, I think at some point we should do that and benchmark it against what other nations do. And I think the overarching theme of that should be how it does not impact productivity, innovation and output. That's kind of what always sticks in my head when I hear at least Republicans argue against social safety nets. Ryan F. is now a member. Says, favorite podcast by a mile. Asshole is now a member. I'm just doing this to support my voice crush on 99. All right. Well, hey, however you get here, whatever the path, we appreciate it. I got to I got to email asshole <laughs> and I started him with, hey, asshole. And I said, that was fun. Yeah. Did you get a response? Not yet. Okay. Because asshole's bank flagged the charge as fraudulent because <laughs> they put their name as asshole. So they, that's not okay. They just wanted to make sure that it went through. And I said, yeah, hey, asshole, you're good. Salvador S. is now a member, listening from rural Washington State. Good deal. And Awesome is now a member. I'm a refugee, the 1990 Iraq invasion of Kuwait and son of a refugee, 1948 Palestinian Nakba. And this country has been amazing to me and my family, giving us a chance to make a good life. 
awesome said a bunch of other things here, but I wanted to pull that out specifically just to remind us that as fucked as we are, we still have the potential to be a really, really great nation if we just work at it. And El Nico is now a member as someone who spends weeks at a time working in the middle of nowhere in the Alaska cold with a bunch of extremely right-leaning co-workers. It's very refreshing to get to hear people talk from the other side. I want El Nico to tell us about living in Alaska. Yeah, me too. I saw a video of parents getting their kids from school and I was like, I don't know what, they weren't like quads, but snow, snow, they almost have skis, I feel like. I, they're just, I was just the most wild thing, you know. El Nico could probably explain a lot to us, not the least of which is how Governor Palin oh God. got that job. Yeah. I do want to say I'm sure that not all of Alaska is like that. So I don't want people, like, I think that everyone's an Inuit. It's not what I think. Right. I, but I just saw that video and it was, it was, and but they're saying they live in the cold. I'm just trying to not get canceled real hard. By all of Alaska. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> At Udu Earth is now a member of Max Mania 99, you guys rock. I'm an older on fucker from Brighton, England. Look at this, from Alaska to England today. Exciting. And uh, Heather K. purchased five coffees and wrote in about the UNFTR book clubs. Heather tried to reach out in their local subreddit to find other unfuckers in my area. I was downvoted for even asking. Son of a bitch. Heather said, get me the fuck out of here. Anyhow, love you all and appreciate all you do. Well, Welcome to the unfucking community, because not to be outdone, Maria from Puerto Rico bought three coffees and said, hey, tell cornfucker Heather Kay we'll make an online book club. And if they don't like her in Nebraska, we'll welcome her to Puerto Rico. God, I love this community. So great. Yeah. And to round things out, we had a couple of reviews. 99? Sure. Recycled Grandma, which I really like that name, said... I learned where and how the whole messes we face originated, then paths towards repair can begin. And Neve and Estrella said, UNFTR is unmissable, seriously, it could save us all. High production values and fair snark overlay the deeply thoughtful and humane content. This podcast is going to be your favorite. Wow. And then lastly, Roly Fidelity said, the podcast is as if Comedy Central partnered with a rebellious professor and started teaching poli-sci, economics, and U.S. history for typical citizens curious about a saner, less reactionary, and far more functional society. As usual, unfuckers have said it better than we can say it ourselves. 99, thank you. Manny, behind the glass, thank you for all you do. Bro, I'm still on L.A. time, and now I'm back on the East Coast. I don't even, I don't even know what's happening. And unfuckers from around the globe. Globe fuckers. Globe fuckers. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you in a couple of days when we unfuck down under. Good day. The city's been suffering for what I like to call a swagless existence. <laughs> Y'all ain't had no swagger. That's why you get sick. No offense. <laughs> Let's just be real. I haven't been sick in over 60 years. <laughs> I'm muscular. I'm vegan, and I get that thing thing every day before breakfast, all right? <laughs> you can't start the day without finishing first, you understand me? <laughs> I'm just playing unless you like that. <laughs> okay, now let's get to some questions so we can fix this city. Bitch, I'm from New York, let's go. Mr. Mayor, Mr. Mayor, Uh-uh, 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 no, no. I do not do chaos in my city, okay? I told y'all that. I was a police officer for over 70 years. <laughs> If I get startled, I start beating people's asses. I don't want to do that. 
And excuse me, but this man, he is not Bill de Blasio. No, ain't that weak ass No, he will kick your ass. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. okay, now she is joking, but she's from the Bronx, so is she? Uh -huh. <laughs>